All right. So this fellow was out uh, hiking and he came to this precipice, this steep, steep cliff, long ways down. And as he was looking over, he lost his footing and started to plummet over the edge. And just before he completely went down, he was able to grab onto a bush, not too far from the top, but far enough so he couldn't reach up. No footholds. Looking down, it's like 200 foot uh, drop. And here he is hanging on for dear life, white knuckles, and he starts yelling, is there anybody up there? Help, help, is there anybody up there? And in just a moment, this voice comes and says, I'll help you. He goes, oh, thank you, thank you. Who is this? This is God. Oh, God, oh, I've always believed in you, and I don't pray every day, but I pray regularly, and I've always contributed to the church, and oh, this is so wonderful. So please, yes, help me, help me. Absolutely. All you have to do is let go, and I'll catch you. And the guy says, uh, uh, and he looks down this precipice 200 feet down below, and he's hanging on. He, said, he says, well, what did you say? Just let go. It's all right. I'll catch you. So he's hanging on, hanging on. He looks down again. He looks back up. And he goes, is there anybody else up there? So we, uh, we have a pretty clear instruction. The clear instruction is that all we have to do is let go. You know, we have to let go of our ideas about who we think we are. We have to let go of our habits, our the things that are not useful. We have to let go of uh, behaviors and the way we think about ourselves as being separate. We let go. And as we let go of the conditionings, as we let go of the, the samskaras, as we let go of these compulsions, then we find things get better. Life gets easier. We become a little brighter, a little clearer. And our, our uh, spiritual progression unfolds naturally from within. So if we go back and we look at what uh, Patanjali has been telling us since the beginning, he says to sit down when you meditate, you know, you sit down and Narodha, let the thoughts go, let go, let go of the thoughts and what happens? Then we wake up and we're aware. And then he goes on and he says, and, and here are the kind of thoughts you have. And then he talks about what the nature of those are. So we know what the vrittis, these fluctuations are. And then he says, you know, the, this is what they look like. So you can identify these. Now, what are you identifying them with? So we have thoughts and thoughts are the result of impressions that come from objects. So objects in the world impress the mind and create thoughts. And these objects include the things and the relationships and the ideas, the concepts. Those are objects, too. We can think about them. So whatever we can think about is an object. It impresses the mind. And so these impressions then um, become what we think about and what we analyze and rationalize and compare and process. This is all thought. However, we're also able to notice the thought. Now, thoughts can't watch thoughts. Awareness watches thoughts. So what is it that allows us to be aware? This is this 
and what and what allows the, the the thoughts to even emerge is this light of consciousness that is reflected in the mind that produces thoughts it shows up as thoughts so it is so it is our own awareness that is illuminating it is creating the adventure of a lifetime it is creating the the uh, um, this sort of illusory dream world that we go through pure consciousness awareness is reflected in the mind and the reflection in the mind comes back as thoughts perceptions and so and so as we're able to use our discernment our discrimination to notice that we are the witness that we are there is this awareness that is observing the thoughts there's this awareness that is observing the feelings and the emotions and everything that's happening and so so as we went through um, the second chapter of the yoga sutras and, and and patanjali goes on and he lays out kind of a very straightforward path for us he says here's what to do here's the restrictions the the yamas the things to avoid to let go of this is harmless you know harming so we want to be harmless lying uh, we want to be truthful stealing taking things that don't belong to us by nature of consciousness um, uh, wasting energy uh, and being attached to things we let go let go let go see so his so he's teaching us and encouraging us in every possible way let go let go let go and then as we go through the third chapter as we move into the third chapter and now we're now we've you know we're talking about experiencing oneness consciousness um subhikalpa samadhi that is samadhi oneness consciousness where we still have concepts and still have a little business going on in the background and then nirvikalpa samadhi that is without concept subhikalpa is a concept without concept so we have this pure awareness with no thought because the thoughts are the things that are reflecting awareness back to awareness, you see. So, so we allow the thoughts to subside completely and rest in pure awareness, pure existence being, no thought. And then he goes on, that's at the beginning of the third chapter, which is, which is uh, titled Vibhuti or powers. So then he goes on, if we read in the third chapter and he starts to talk about the amazing powers that we can gain as a result of these practices. And remember the context, Patanjali wrote this between around 2000 years ago, you know, plus or minus uh, four or 500. It's, it's kind of, you know, they're not exactly sure, but the, you know, some estimates are like 300 BC. And so in this time there were, yogis there were individuals who were engaging in these practices these intense disciplines and intense practices in order to break through in order to be fully awake in order to realize their true nature some of them and there were many who were engaging in these practices in order to get the powers in order to have the ability these superpowers the ability to levitate the ability to um, reach in and see what people were thinking in their minds the ability to become super small to become as large as the universe these amazing powers that are talked about in patanjali 
describes these one after another after another. We can we can have anything we want. We can we can be like Superman, super women, super powerful. And so this was part of the part of the context and part of the culture for people who were practicing yoga, some of them, these powers. And then after, uh, after talking about and uh, kind of describing in some detail all these possible powers, then he goes on and says, but if you start to engage in these powers, if you use these, uh, these practices in order to gain power, you're just creating another place where you get stuck. In other words, we have to recognize this as a possibility and then let it go. Once again, so here at the end of the third chapter, he's saying, you know, it's really a mistake. You can use these practices in order to gain power, but the power becomes another trap. It becomes another restriction. It becomes another place where you're stuck. And so, so at the end, he says, let go. You know, don't mess with the powers. Continue, continue, wake up, wake up. And then finally, when we get to the fourth chapter, he comes back around and he talks once again about consciousness, pure consciousness. And he explains, he says, that awareness is not thought. Awareness illuminates thought. Thoughts are the result of impressions that come as a, from, from objects around us. And then it is awareness that notices this. And as we become adept at resting as the witness, the seer, that illuminator, as we become adept at that and using our discernment to tell the difference between thinking and witnessing, then this power of observ observation, discernment, discrimination, allows us to see thoughts for what they are, see feelings for what they are, and to easily disregard them and not let them uh, affect us. So these thoughts, because they are impressions that come from the objects around us, from our the way we're perceiving and the way we're processing information and the environment, all these are heavily influenced by the gunas these expressive qualities. So there are some things that we're experiencing that are tamasic, heavy, inertial, deadening, you know, dull, dulling. There are some things that we experience that are uh, rajasic, that are passionate, that we're moving around in action, action, action. There are some things that we experience that are sattvic, that are elevating, bright, you know, awakening, radiant. And Patanjali says, we need to come to the place where we, where we, where we uh, rise above all the gunas, where we're not, no longer affected and influenced by any. So it can be useful to take, to use rajas, to use action, passion, active to get involved in order to overcome heaviness, dullness, inertia. So we use rajas to move beyond tamas. And then we engage in, we use sattvas, this bright, illuminating, brilliant, um, uh, clarifying aspect of reality. We use this to become peaceful and to neutralize rajas. So we don't have to be running around. We don't have to feel ourselves chasing desires. We can learn to be content and all right and, you know, 
much more aware and conscious. So we move in the direction of sattva to, in order to balance and neutralize rajas. And then we let go of sattva. And then we let go of even this tendency to be influenced by the things that are bright and elevating and wonderful. We let go of that. And when we let go of that final thing, then we rest as liberated beings. That is, we are no longer influenced or affected by anything in the world. We still relate. We can still relate. We use our thoughts and our feelings and we interact. and We do all the things that we see people doing, but now we do it consciously. Now we do it without being influenced or affected or put off of our center. We're always anchored, grounded. So this is, and this is what, uh, what Roy told us was the, the last conversation, the last teaching that he had from Yogananda. Yogananda said, pay no attention to what other people do or don't do. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't look behind you. Stay focused and go all the way and you can do it. And going all the way means to be fully awake. And I remember Roy telling us many times the story about walking with Yogananda. He, he would go and visit every two months, uh, visit Yogananda where, wherever he was in Southern California. And oftentimes he was out at his retreat center at 29 Palms. And Roy said that uh, that one time they were strolling around, they would, they, they would go for a walk kind of around the property, around the compound. And uh, so they were strolling along and Roy said, it just came to my mind to ask, uh, ask Yogananda and he said, Master, how many of the saints that you wrote about in the autobiography of a yogi are fully illumined, fully self-realized? And he said, Yogananda didn't even take a breath, didn't even slow down and think about it for a second. He says, oh, not many, not many, these great saints, because because they're in, because they're they're content, they're happy, resting in God consciousness in this in this beautiful sattvic experience, where they feel bliss and joy and harmony and and they just hang out there. They don't go the rest of the way. And so he said, but we need to do this. We need to to use our techniques, use our technology, make a commitment to our path. And then go all the way and don't allow anything to stop us and don't allow ourselves to get stuck. So many people come to the, the spiritual path, whatever their spiritual path is, they come to this because they suffer, because things are not working, because they feel disconnected. You know, as we talk about the, this ego, the sense that we are separate somehow. Um, so they feel outside and they, and, or they're, you know, they've had their heart broken or, uh, you know, they've been traumatized or they have uh, physical challenges, emotional upsets. All these things happen and they really are not functioning well. They're really hurting in some way, suffering. And so they come, you know, after exploring other things, they finally come to the spiritual path with the hopes that they will be able to relieve their suffering. I want my life needs to be better than it is. And so... And so they begin to practice and they begin to, you know, practice some meditation. They begin to get some information, some insight, creative imagination, how to change my reality, how to change my mind, how to um, relate more effectively to people, how to be nicer, 
and in this way have people be nicer to me and uh you know move into some prosperity consciousness and and so so in time you know sometimes not very much time sometimes a year or two in time they feel better but suffering that they came with has been neutralized so they no longer have this push this emphasis this this uh impulse to continue their practice because life has gotten to be pleasant i have enough money people are treating me nice i get some respect i haven't been i haven't been uh, unfriended on facebook for a year life is great and so and so their practice kind of they they lose the the juice they lose the emphasis the, the the thing that carried them into this this suffering is no longer there and so now they're happy to just hang out and have a life and enjoy and of course and so so they come and then they go and of course the ones that go um because this is not a, a long-term solution uh they finally they will come back to a place where suffering pops up in another way and they'll have an opportunity to to revisit their spiritual practice or to find another practice that will that will assist but short of liberation of consciousness short of full realization suffering is given is a given and so and so for us we need to be uh, we need to notice that this uh, process happens and that some individuals ma many individuals find that life becomes comfortable and they no longer want to put the energy and the effort and the time into this continuing awakening process to finish the job so but we need to we need to finish the job we need to continue with our practice and continue letting go of the things that are not useful and then accumulate or acquiring moving in the direction of the things that are useful and and it's and there's a lot more things to let go of than there are things to acquire because in this process life gets simpler and simpler there is less that we need we realize we have everything we need it's kind of built in you know it comes with the package you know we're we're we are designed to be the body is designed it has its own intelligence homeostasis it knows how to keep the right temperature and keep the heart beating and circulating all the all the amazing things that the that the body does it just knows how to do we don't have to worry about that if we're not interfering with this harmonious process you know in the same way relationships as long as we're really nice to people we pay attention to them and we're not looking to get anything from them then people like us you know we get along just fine so we don't have we don't have problems with relationships and as long as we're as long as we're looking for um ways that we can contribute what is it that i can give how can i use my life and my energy in a useful way what can i do to help the world you know my family this, the neighborhood the society what can i do to help and, and i'm not worried about what's in it for me but rather i'm just looking at how can i contribute so this is karma yoga you know selfless service action without having an expectation for the results of our actions so if we're acting in this way and we're always saying well what can i give the nature of the universe is one that comes to support us in our 
in our intention to share because because the universe you know ultimate reality is this expressive unfolding evolutionary process and all it needs it, it expresses as each one of us and it expresses as each one of us so that it can move through us to continue its expression so if we choose to be an open channel we choose to participate and to see what can we contribute then the universe just fills up everything we need and it flows through us and in the process we we're fulfilled and content so so this whole spiritual uh, practice for ourselves is really a practice in letting go letting go having faith trusting you know and that's not easy in the beginning it can be really scary to have to step out into the unknown and not know what's going to happen next and how it can possibly work out and you know is there any other way is there somebody else up there <laughs> but uh, in the end there isn't you know in the end it's all already here it's already within us and so we can we can learn to um, be comfortable being uncomfortable sometimes we can learn to trust by you know stepping out and taking a chance and seeing what happens you know we can do this and it, it, we don't have to take the big step we don't have to step off the cliff and you know trust in a 200 foot drop not to start off with uh, we can trust in little ways we can test this in little ways to build our confidence confidence because the more we're the, the more self-confident self with the capital s the more self-confident we are the easier it is for us to move through the world and the more the more personal power the more energy we have in order to to um, interact and to relate and to do whatever it is that we're here to do so there's a story about a fellow who had a uh, his prize fighting rooster you know these roosters with the spurs and so he had this rooster that was really remarkable and he was so proud of it but he really wanted to fine-tune it so he took it to a rooster trainer and the rooster trainer was supposed to really you know put him over the top so so he left the rooster with the rooster trainer and he came back in two weeks to check on him and he noticed, he said, he noticed that the rooster wasn't running around as much and wasn't kind of, you know, bouncing and doing all this cocky stuff. He was a little calmer. And, the, and he, he asked the trainer, he says, well, you know, what's happening? Oh, the trainer says, it's all right. He's not finished yet. Just give me some time. So the fellow went home and he came back in about two more weeks. And he saw his rooster and he said, and he, and he noticed the rooster wasn't, fluffing fluffing up fluffing up his feathers and his you know the hackles on his neck they weren't coming up and he was kind of much much more kind of quiet and he thought wow this guy is ruining my rooster you know this guy was an aggressive bird and the, the trainer says just it's okay just give me some time or you know he's not finished so he goes home the fellow goes home and he comes back two more weeks and now his rooster is just standing there, not moving at all, like a, just like a rock. And he goes, what have you done? You, you know, this was, this was a prize bird, and now it's just, he's just standing there. Um, you've ruined him. And the trainer said, no, no, actually, 
Um, look at the way he stands. He is so confident and so calm and has so much personal strength. When these other birds come, they come and see him and they turn around and run away. None of the birds will even fight with him. He's strong. <laughs> so in the same way, you know, instead of running around and fluffing our feathers up and, and having to, you know, reinforce our ego and make a big deal, and, and we can be calm and anchored and grounded. And that is where the real power comes from. And we see this. I mean, we, you know, all of us that had an opportunity to spend time with Mr. Davis saw this. He was humble. Wasn't, you know, fluffing his feathers up and, and uh, making a big deal. No, he's very quiet, very friendly, you know, had a good sense of humor. Somebody that was, you know, if you were having a, a personal interaction with him, talking with him, he was just like, you know, talking to your friend or talking to dad. Um, very unpretentious, you know, but strong, grounded, powerful, and it's, you know, and it comes through. Feel it, and so we can we can be like that. We can aspire to be like that, and the and the way that we uh, fulfill our aspiration, the way that we do this, is by simply noticing what's happening. You know, watching our thinking, our feeling, our action letting go of everything that's not useful. And, and as we let go of the things that are not useful, the useful things just naturally come. They just, they naturally unfold because they're coming from within us. They're coming from our harmonious interaction with individuals, with the environment, with all the different aspects and, and parts of our life. So, so we can really benefit just by having that one little mantra, let go. Let go. Or uh, in some places, some of the new thought churches, they say, let go and let God. You know? But this can be, this can be our, uh, you know, our refrigerator magnet. Let go. Just um, allow yourself, allow yourself to remove the obstacles, to let go of all the little, little ways, the little places, the little things that are wobbling your life. You know, and in the process, you will find that you feel you're more content. You acquire, you have more personal power. You become confident because you're living on purpose. Whenever we do something intentionally, we get power. We get energy. We get, you know, the prana loves to flow through this uh, confident, this self-confident, grounded being. And so, so as we start to live intentionally and do what we say we're going to do, personal power and as a matter of fact if we if we practice this to the point where we always follow through if we say something you know if we promise to do something if we agree to do something inside or with somebody else and we always follow through and accomplish this we develop this power to be able to manifest the spoken word literally we just set our intention and we're able to watch the the energies of the universe flow through through this into manifestation. But of course, this requires also that we're not egotistical, that we're not manipulating and pushing the world around to, to conform to what we think is supposed to happening, happen. But rather when we speak, when we 
use this power it comes from intuition it comes from an impulse from within to do the thing that's the most useful thing to do the right thing to do the dharmic thing that is to live in harmony with life you see and as long as we're living in harmony with life we have the ability to allow it to move through us and when it does it's wonderful and and all that wonderful um still remains as something that we are the witness the observer of so we are fully engaged in the world but we are not uh, affected controlled moved by what's happening so there was a, a very wise man one time who said i am in the world but not of it i am in the world but not of it so I'm not made out of the world, but rather I have come into the world and I am having this amazing adventure of a lifetime. And, you know, and, and it is as long as we're awake. So this is my, my recommendation and kind of the, the wrap up for what we've been talking about the last two weeks. And uh, there is a question. How do we know that our observing is not just another thought process? Well, because thoughts can't can't observe thoughts. This becomes like a this becomes like a recursive thing that goes, you know, it's like one of those things where you put two mirrors and you look in one mirror and then you see the reflection and the reflection and the reflection. And so so this actually creates a um, distorted this just creates distorted um, fluctuations in the field of awareness. So how do you know what's a thought? Well, you, you know when you're thinking, you know what you're thinking about. And you also know, as you're listening to what I'm saying right now, you are listening, your mind is processing the information, taking these words, these symbols, these concepts, and you know, filing them away, comparing them with what you've heard before to see if it makes sense, if there's anything that relates. All that is happening in your head right now. And at the same time, you are aware that you're doing it. You are aware that you're listening. You are aware that your thoughts are, are uh, analyzing and comparing. This awareness is all, it's what we are. Awareness is what makes the whole thing work. There is no there is no independent existence. There's no power. There's nothing in Prakriti, in the manifest world. It is only reflecting consciousness. It is only reflecting awareness. And so we are all the time aware. It's just our attention gets so identified with what's going on in the mind and the world around us that we lose that sensitivity. We lose that sense. It's a, it's a shift in viewpoint, but always there. We don't have to do anything to become aware. We are aware. We're made that way, you see. That's all we can ever be. But unfortunately, we become identified. We're under this magical spell, this enchantment that makes us feel like we're separate. It makes us feel like we are the mind and all the effects of what's going on in the mind instead of discernment allowing us to be aware that we are the observer the witness the seer always and this never changes it never has changed i've told this story many times when i was seven years old my dad made a little box in the bathroom had a little step um so that so us little kids could 
stand up on this to be able to brush our teeth in the bathroom sink and to be able to look in the mirror, you know, to comb your hair. Like seven-year-olds really need to comb their hair. Um, and, and I remember standing on that box, leaning across the sink and looking really, getting really close and looking into the mirror and looking into my eyes and asking myself, who's in there? Who is that? Who am I? You know, as a little kid. And I can go back, I can think of so many times in my life where, where I'm very aware, as I go back in memory, I'm very aware that while these things were happening, I was also at some level also aware that this was happening, you know, because we always have been. You know, you ask, who, who were you? What was your point of view, your experience of you, this essence of being when you were in high school and you were going through all the, you know, the real adventures of puberty or when you got out of high school and you were looking for a job? There's all, you've always been aware of the processes that you've been involved in your life. See, so all we're doing here is saying, Let's turn down the volume on all that. Let's shift the perspective and let go of the identification. Break the spell. Break the enchantment so that we can operate all the time in this awareness that we are without having to be drawn into the drama so much that we forget. Does that make sense? Another question. When realized masters, for example, Yogananda, pass from this world, do they have any experience of who they were, any sense of individuality, or do they experience self as impersonal awareness? Well, um, someday when I'm in that realm, I will ask and find out. <laughs> All we can, you know, I don't have a personal experience. I can tell you what is reported. And what is reported is that as, as units of consciousness, we have this mind and this, per, this persona, this mind, and these uh, characteristics, some scars, these tracings and conditionings, and that this all together exists in this mental field. And the mental field, the manas, combined with the energy field, prana, so so, so on the most dense level out here, this is the anamaya kosha, ana is food. This is the food body, it's the material body. And then, and then that food body within that exists the pattern or the, the, the body which supports and maintains it. And that is pranamaya kosha, energy. So we have an energy body that we can sense. We can, you know, you close your eyes, you can feel your arms and legs and feet, what's that about? That's this energy. We have awareness that follows this energy. That's pranamaya kosha. And then within that, on a more subtle level, is manomaya kosha, mind. So the mind is using the energy, feeling the energy, and relating to it. So when the, when the body, when the physical body, the anamaya kosha, is no longer functional, you know, when we've reached our sell by date and we, you know, leave this body, then we still exist with the pranamaya kosha, the energy body, manomaya kosha, the mental body, uh, vigyanamaya kosha, the intellect, the buddhi. Uh, and, and so, so these vehicles that is part, that contain our essence and our conditionings and our karma, 
these are said to be operating in the astral, in the energy realm, in the energy level when we're not wearing a body anymore. And then, and then this energy body is contained or supported by this more subtle causal body. So, and this causal body is discernment, discrimination, along with bliss, ananda. Ananda maya kosha, this is the most subtle. So it is said that we go through, that we, that we move through a progression of more and more subtle experience in these bodies, and that it is also possible, again, this is, we're talking philosophical here, uh, and that it is also possible for um, the causal body to become involved once again with the astral body, with the energy body. And for the astral vehicle, the mind and, and uh, energy to become identified once again with the physical body. And so in this philosophy, it is said that, that we can move back and forth and that actually, as long as there are conditionings in the mind, as long as there are conditionings in the field of awareness, these samskaras, um, that we will be attracted, be drawn back. This is the karma that the karma causes us to be drawn back into involvement um, on a level that is appropriate for us to balance that karma. So it is said that we are born, if we are born back in the physical body, we are born back in a place and a time that is appropriate for the neutralizing, the balancing of, and the working out of these karmas that we carry with us. So. So, so, you know, is Yogananda and the masters, do they continue to participate? Now, when you're fully awake, then you can consciously, uh, you should consciously be able to decide what level of interaction you want to, to be relating on, you know, whether, whether you just stay in the causal realm or whether you just let all of that go, all of these bodies go and dissolve back into the ocean of God consciousness. So. So the, the theory is, the philosophy is that, that as a soul, as an individualized unit of ultimate reality, we move through these various bodies, through these different levels and interact and relate. And, uh, and so we have the possibility of waking up fully. And when we say waking up fully, this means, you know, maybe that we don't need to, to participate in all these levels, maybe we can just go right back to the source. Maybe we can go, go past all of having to, you know, balance and process the samskaras and the energy body and the manas and all this. We can just go straight through that. We can wake up completely, wake up fully and be fully uh, awake in God all the time. So this is, this is also possible. Another question, to come back to observing, is it right that in this way we can only observe the now and here and not the past or the future? Well, when we're observing the past and the future, these are thoughts. You know, we're observing concepts, ideas. So yes, we can observe uh, our thinking about what happened, our story about what has happened in the past. We can observe our story, our thinking about what might happen in the future. So. But we can also, with discernment, we can come into the awareness of the present. So we can be we can be thinking about the present. What's happening? What's my condition? You know, what's the temperature of the room? 
uh, you know, what's happening outside? What am I thinking about? We can be aware in the moment of our thinking, or we can let our thinking go and we can be aware in, in just in pure awareness in the here and now without thinking. So we can be bright, open, total, in total relation with everything that's happening, feeling ourselves to be one with all that is, with our eyes open, and, and existing in this here now moment. See? So that's available too. So we can, we can go either way. And by the way, existing in this here now moment without having to think about it to just be um, is extremely useful. This is, has very powerful therapeutic effect. I mean, it really brings us into harmony with nature and with this expressive universe. And um, so it's, uh, it's very useful for us to practice uh, as much as possible just being in the here and now, not being strung out between the past and the future, but this moment, this moment right now, and I think it was Sunro, Sunro Suzuki who said, um, you should live this moment as if death were standing behind you, waiting to tap you on the shoulder, and that this was the last moment you would have in this incarnation. That's how you should be living this moment. If it was the last one right now, then how would you be? What would your, you know, what would your choice be? Where would you pay attention? What would you be doing? And he also said that this moment is not a rehearsal for something that's going to come later. We're not constantly trying to, you know, get it right so that later on it'll be okay. Life is happening moment by moment by moment by moment. Not in the past, not in our ideas, not in our expectations. This moment and this moment. And you have a limited amount of those moments, you know. The quote that I have down on my wall says, from Roy, says, life is short. You should take care of important matters while you can do so. So I think this is a, you know, useful thing for us to be mindful of. And if we're constantly living as though this is our last day, you know, this is it. Well, if you've got that message, if that came in in your uh, texting this morning, this is God, and we got one more day to make the most of it. So what will we do? You know, how would you, if this was your last day, what would the choice be? And why not do that? You know, why not live every day as though it was, this is important. It's, I mean, this is really important. This is my life. So, so we can do that. Um, I've heard that Yogananda once said, Yogananda no longer lives in this body, only God remains. Yes, and if we, if, we, if we let go of the ego, this is the identification, the sense of separation. So when we let go of this personality, this role that we're playing, um, identification with that, then we allow life to come through us and we are inspired to do things, we are led, we are guided, and we realize all the time that this is God moving through us. That God is interacting with itself through us and there's no longer an ego in between. We have let go of all the, of the last uh, little membrane, the last little filter between God expressing through this the vehicle and and all the environment and all expression. 
So only God remains. This is what Yogananda meant. No, Yogananda, the personality, the ego, I let go of that. He said, he actually said, I killed Yogananda long ago and only God remains. You know? So, so yeah, we can, we can aspire to be like that. So good, good questions. Uh, thank you, yes, thank you. Encourage you to be joyful. Pay attention to all your moments because that's all you got, that's your life. And we will see you back here next time. Namaste.